Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. your Bibles, go ahead and take them, or your Bible apps, go ahead and open them, and let's open them to the Gospel according to John, John chapter 6. If this is your first time joining us online or here, we're in the middle of a series. During Lent, the church traditionally looks at sin and allows the Holy Spirit to come in, and we're looking at these, what have been traditionally called the seven deadly sins. They seem small, but they're messy and they multiply and they break down relationships with each other, with a healthy self, and ultimately with God. And so we've been looking at all of these pride and anger and envy and and all these different ones. Today we're going to continue that journey by looking at John chapter 6, and we're going to begin at verse 24. If you are able, would you stand in reverence and honor to the reading of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. John 6:24. Once the crowds realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boat and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, "Rabbi, when did you get here?" Jesus answered, "I tell you the truth, You are looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they ask him, what must we do to do the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. The one who comes to me will never go hungry. And the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the word of God for the people of God. And our response is, Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, I want to give a disclaimer today. Normally, this is the place where I would tell a story that would get us right into the heart of the passage. I would tell you maybe a a quote from some scholar that would help us engage with the text. I might even tell a funny story or a joke that just kind of puts us at ease as we're looking. But today, I'm going to be preaching on a topic that I have never preached on before. And in my living memory, I can't recall anyone ever preaching a sermon on this so directly. 
And so today, our messy, multiplying, deadly, poisonous sin is the sin of gluttony. Aren't you glad you came to church on Rebel Sunday? Now, I want to give a disclaimer about this, because there are a few things I want you to know I am not talking about. I am not here to body shame anyone. Jesus loves you, and Jesus loves you in your body, whatever your body looks like. To talk about gluttony, you're going to see, is not to talk about body shame. So I want you to hear me say that today. I also want you to hear, want you to know that I am not here today. We'll save that quote for later, James. I want, I want to make sure we hear this. I am not here to advocate a certain body type. That God has some ideal for women or for men and this is what they should look like. You know, that women should look like this and men should look like this. Again, God created all kinds of bodies and God loves them. So if you have a body, whatever it looks like, God loves you. You hear me say that today. Third, I do not want you to think that I am here to advocate for some biblical diet plan. They're okay. There's lots out there. Choose one if you feel like you're unhealthy. But I am not here to advocate for any of those things. What I am here to do is to talk as a pastor, as a shepherd, about our relationship to food and to drink, which is important. It's an important thing. And so I want you to see this definition of gluttony that I think encaptures what I've, encapsulates what I have just told you. So when we talk about gluttony, now we can put that up there, James. When we talk about gluttony, we are not talking about how much food and drink we consume. It is about how much food and drink is consuming us. Let me say that again. Gluttony is not about how much food and drink we consume. It's about how much food and drink is consuming us. Now, food and drink consume us in a few ways. I'm going to list three. Food and drink consume us when we use them as anesthesia. When we use food and drink to check out. When we use food and drink to numb ourselves, when we use food and drink as an addiction or in addictive ways, where I've had something happen to me in my past, I have some deep wounds, and those may be very valid. And I found that when I put in this food and mass quantities into myself, I just seem to check out and I feel better for just a little bit. Or if I have this drink or, or that substance, when I put those in my body, I feel good. But the truth of the matter is we're not consuming food or drink or substance at that point. We are being consumed by it. Secondly, we are consumed by food and drink when we approach them anxiously. Now, if you have a generalized anxiety disorder or something along those lines, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about in this moment of approaching food and drink anxiously is when we are just kind of 
consistently dieting all the time, almost compulsively, where we are counting calories and we're making sure that we make our way to the gym at, at every moment and we're worried that at the end of the day the count's going to be too high and, and in our day and age is never going to be too low. Um, we, we just begin to approach food and drink with a lot of anxiety. What is this that I'm putting in my body? And it begins to consume our thoughts and our waking. Now, this doesn't mean you can't diet. I have the Noom app on my phone. It's helped me to slim down a little bit. But they've also helped me to, if you go over, it's not going to kill you. It's not about anxiety. It's about health. So we are consumed by it when we approach it with anesthesia or for anesthesia. We, we, when we approach it with anxiety. And then lastly, we are consumed by food and drink when we are antagonistic about them. It looks like this. We look at someone as they're eating and we say, can you believe they're putting that in their body? Doesn't look like they need to be eating on that. Why are they doing that? It can go the other way, even with health food. You know, can you believe how much food they spent on or how much money they spent on organic? Come on. There's no difference. Just wash it off. It's approaching food antagonistically. And when we do this, we begin to be consumed by our food. And we are not consuming food. Now, the Bible has a lot to say about, about food. It talks about food a lot. Did you know uh, that the very first thing that God does after creation is he plants a garden in Eden? And that garden is for food, and it's for the food of our first parents. And God would walk with them in the cool of the evening and told them they are uh, to eat of the fruit of the trees and the vines that God had put there. God wants you to have food. Wants me to have food. Thank goodness. It's as if God built into the fabric of who we are, into the fabric of humanity and human existence, this formula. Conversation plus calories equals connection. How do you like that? Alicia, you're a math major. This work. Conversation plus calories equals connection. I mean, think about it. It still works today, right? I mean, every time we celebrate, every time we want to connect, all of our major celebrations involve food and drink and people. From birthdays to Christmas to Thanksgiving to Super Bowl, whatever it is. We like to have people. We like to have food and drink together. And that conversation with calories usually equals to some good connecting moments and good connecting time. But let's not forget that it was through food that sin also entered the world. When our first parents decided they would like to have the calories from the tree of the knowledge of fruit and evil without the connection or the conversation with God. And they took it for themselves. And they were thrust out of the garden And they reaped the thorns and and food began to be attached to anxiety. Where are we going to get it? This is going to be difficult to come up with. And food began to be attached to antagonizing. We've got to hoard this and keep as much food so that 
you know, we won't starve. We don't care about what other people do. And food began to be used for anesthesia to just check out and numb ourselves. But the good news is God wasn't done. And isn't it just like God to use the same thing that we used for our own purposes of sin and redeem that by bringing us back? Do you realize that God connects food to his ongoing work all the way through? So we find when God approaches Abraham to finally tell him the long-awaited heir, Isaac, will be coming. It's over a meal. Meet George Judson. It's over a meal. When when Jacob's family is anxious because there's a famine in the land, God has already provided for Joseph to be head in Egypt who has saved and prepared for the famine and he provides food, salvation for For Jacob's family. When God delivers those Israelite slaves from Egypt after 450 years, it takes place right after the first what? Passover meal. They eat. And then as God leads them to the land flowing with milk and honey. Are you hungry yet? He provides manna from heaven, bread from heaven. Do you know manna just means what is it in in Hebrew? We think it's holy. It's like, what is it? Manna. I don't know. Eat it. Okay. He provides all the way through. And in fact, all of Jewish life is wrapped around a weekly Sabbath feast, Shabbat where you eat food with your family, and there's conversation and calories and connection. And then there are seasonal feasts that happen throughout the year, the Jewish calendar, so that we're eating and celebrating, that we're connecting with God and with food to understand God's salvation for us. And when Jesus comes on the scene, Jesus comes right into this very Jewish life. He comes for 30 years. He participates in that weekly Shabbat meal together. He participates in the yearly seasonal feasts that are going on each season of the year. And he connects conversation with God to calories that we eat that's creating a deep and lasting connection. The thing that Jesus does, though, when he begins his ministry is that he expands the dinner table and he begins begins to include antagonistic people like simon the zealot who wants to kill the enemies along with matthew the tax collector who's participating with those enemy romans it's almost as if jesus is fulfilling psalm 23 He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That maybe what we need when we have an enemy is to be seated at a table where there can be conversation and calories and maybe a connection can be formed. He he expands it to anxious people like, like Martha and like Thomas who are so worried what other people will think. 
He connects it to people who are using food and drink as anesthesia just to check out. They're called the sinners. And it's at one of these sinners' parties that Jesus announces he has come to find, to seek, and to save the lost and to heal those who are sick. And these meals just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger until right before we get to our passage, Jesus has fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread. And there is food left over. You want to talk about gluttony? They ate till they were full and there was stuff left over. Jesus then leaves that party. And the people who are there, I'm sure they like, wow, that was cool how we got all that food. Are we sure that we're hearing this right, that this came from just two loaves, or two fish and five loaves? And so they begin to seek out after Jesus again. And right when we jump in, they have found Jesus. And they've just got a little rumbling in their tummy. They're asking, how did you get here, Jesus? And Jesus looks at them and he calls them because he knows how we are with food and how food and the anxiety around food can consume us from the inside out. And so he begins to give them three things that they need to focus on. Because Jesus believes that there is necessity for conversation and calories if there's going to be a connection. And so the first thing he wants them to to focus on is to focus on a full life, not on a full belly. You may want to write that down. Focus on full life, not on full bellies. You can see that there in in verses 26. He, He says to them, and I just imagine Jesus saying this so gently, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs but because you ate the loaves and had your fill now i want to talk about signs for a second just just briefly when jesus uses that term miraculous signs or just the greek word for it is signs you know it should be signs what jesus is talking about is god's active presence it's not just something to wow you or to get your attention or to bowl you over it is You see God's active presence in what happened. And Jesus is saying, you've missed it. You're so focused here and so anxious about that you you had that that good experience, whether it was calming an anxiety or, or just helping you to check out for a little bit or whether you were antagonistic because so and so got one more piece of fish than you did. You missed God's active presence in what was going on and jesus wants them to focus on full life not just full bellies he tells them this and and you know it must have been something that was they were needing to hear because they respond in verse 28 what must we do to do the works god requires and jesus is happy to tell them how they can have a full life and not just worry about full bellies he says to them The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. To believe. I want us to talk about belief for a second. 
Because when you and I, in the modern day, post-enlightenment, think about believing, we begin to think about a creed. You begin to think, oh yeah, I believe, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, buried, and on the third day, he arose again. One day he will come again to judge the living and the dead. We think of that, right? And that's not bad. It's not a bad thing to think. But when Jesus talks about belief, he is not talking about just what you do with your noggin. And that you can tick all the boxes and say, yep, I believe that. I get to, I get to have eternal life. Now, is it important you believe that? Yeah. You will come to believe that if you believe like Jesus means for belief. And I want you to hear this as sticky faith. I want this to be a faith that sticks to you and sticks in you. And so we're going to look at this idea of tar, because tar is sticky. I did one job. I did it for one summer where I helped seal driveways. You know, that's a job I never want to do again. Because tar is sticky and it just gets everywhere. And when Jesus uses the idea of belief, what he means is tar. If you want it to be sticky, think about this. It means not just that you believe something in your head, but that you trust in him. You trust that who he says he is actually is, and you are willing to move to follow him. It is trusting, just like I am trusting this stage will not let me down when I stand in on it or stomp on it. That is trust. It is putting my full weight on Jesus. But it's not just about putting my full weight on Jesus. It's about adhering to Jesus. It's about lining up with what Jesus has taught, which is why we get together, why we study the scriptures, why we look at what Jesus taught. Because if we want a sticky faith like tar, we have to trust, but we also have to adhere to. And then it is moment by moment, daily, relying on Jesus. Trusting in him, adhering to his teachings, and relying on him for strength as we live our daily life. That's what Jesus means when Jesus says the work of God is to believe in the one whom he has sent. Is that where you are in your belief today? Well, next, Jesus wants them to focus on something else. Jesus wants them to focus on A faithful father, not on flawed leaders. He wants them to focus on the faithful father who has sent Jesus, not on flawed leaders. You see, they they start rationalizing with Jesus. Well, what sign are you going to do? Just proving Jesus' point that they missed the sign. I mean, weren't you here? Didn't I just feed 5,000 with two fish and a few loaves? What sign will I do? And they take it back into their story. And some of your translations will say, Moses is the one. He gave us bread from heaven. And Jesus says, stop right there. If you don't want to be consumed by food, our focus has to be on the faithful father, not a flawed leader. It was not Moses who gave you bread from heaven. It is my father who gives you, present tense, bread from heaven. For the bread 
that God, uh, the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. It's not just about saving one nation. It's about saving and providing for the world. And if we're not careful, folks, you and I, when we're anxious or using food as anesthesia, food and drink, or when we are antagonistic about it, we begin to get our focus off the God who provides and on what is the leader going to do for me. Do I need to say any more about that? We know it's true. Jesus wants us to know if we're not going to be consumed by food and drink, we need to have our focus on the faithful Father who sends what we need and not on flawed leaders. God may use flawed leaders like Moses, but it is ultimately God who is the one who is providing. Are you with me? Got one more. One last focus. Jesus wants them then. As they have tapered off into silence, he wants them to focus on feasting with the bread of life and not the latest fad to come down the pike. He wants them to feast on the bread of life. They are so intrigued. They say, sir, from now on, give us this bread. And Jesus gives them this statement. I am the bread. I am the one who will sustain you. Come and have conversation with me. And with some calories mixed in, there will be connection. And that connection to Jesus we call communion. We are called into this connection to place our trust, to align with, and to rely on daily the one who is the bread of heaven. We are called to feast And to feast on the bread of life, not the latest fad. The church uses many fads. We've gone through a ton of them. From the time Jesus left until today. There's nothing wrong with the latest fad. But I find it amazing that in spite of all of Christian history, Almost every Christian church comes back to this. At some point in the service, for some of us, we do it weekly. For some of us, we do it monthly. For some of us, we do it quarterly, because the manual tells us to. But we always come back to feasting on the bread of life, because we still believe. And a God who invites us into conversation with calories that we might have communion. And when our communion is with the bread of life, it leads, or it can lead to conversion. And that's what we are called to. And that's what we're going to enter into today. So I'm going to go ahead and have you open this up so that we can get all the noise making out of the way. We have to do this. I can't wait until we can rip hunks of bread together and eat together. Go ahead and open these up. I want to let you know, because every, every week I have been trying to give you exercises 
that will help you if you realize if today the Holy Spirit has said to you, hey, I'm not so sure you're consuming food, but you're being consumed by food and drink. There are some exercises that assist this. I want you to know, in all of these exercises, this is not about earning salvation. You're not going to do these things to earn salvation or to earn forgiveness. This is about learning to live in forgiveness out into our world. And there are a few things that you can do if you feel like you're being consumed by food. I'm going to go through them really quick. One, you can fast. Lent is about fasting. Now, it doesn't have to be all food for 40 days like Jesus did. But maybe just start with one meal. Breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Say, during that time, I just want to have a conversation with God. And I need to, but I realize I'm being, I'm being consumed by this. And so I just want to leave that in His hands for right now. Help me to restore a right relationship with food. We have to eat. And God wants us to eat. He wants us to eat in connection and conversation with Him. Secondly, we can participate in faithful eating. Faithful eating. That means that we are trusting that every bite comes from God. Do this with your kids if you're at home at the next meal, if you've got little ones especially. Talk with them about where their food came from. Maybe they'll get to talking about farms. And, and just keep asking the question, well, who, who made cows and pigs or chickens? Who, who made livestock? Who, who made seeds? Get them to understand that what they are eating, yes, we can be appreciative of those who work hard to provide our food, but to ultimately realize that all of the food and all of the things that grow come from the faithful Father who longs for us to have conversation with calories so that there can be communion. And lastly, we can feast. I hope soon we'll be able to feast together it's been too long since we've had a potluck. You know, with Nazarenes, where two or three are gathered, there will be a potluck which, with at least six desserts. It's okay to feast, to bring that conversation around calories, and it leads to deep connection as a family. And I long for us to do that, but for today, we will do this with the one who on the night he was betrayed, as he ended his earthly ministry, he took bread and he took cup. And he said, this is my body, broken for you. Take and eat the bread of life who comes down from heaven to save the world. Take and eat. On that same night, he took the cup, he poured wine, and he said, This is my blood shed for you. Take and drink. We've had some calories. Let's bow our heads and have a small conversation with God, shall we? God.
We thank you that you are a faithful father. We thank you that you long for us to enjoy and consume food and drink. But the truth is, God, we are often consumed by food and drink. And it is your desire to restore a right relationship between us and you and between us and food and drink. So teach us with these exercises. Teach us with the things that Jesus has called us to focus on today. Teach us to trust him. To align ourselves with him. To rely on Him day by day. Father, thank You for providing everything we need. And may we begin to see with friends and even our enemies that maybe what You long to do through us is to begin conversations with some calories that will lead to connection or conversion, and ultimately, communion. Union with you and with others. We pray that you would do this in our church and in the church around the world. For we pray and ask these things in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Spirit who is in us, one God forever and ever. And all God's hungry people said, Amen. Would you stand and receive this blessing? Would you stand in your living rooms right where you are and receive this blessing? And now may you, my friends, my brothers and my sisters, may those of us who are consumed by food and drink Realize that God will never stop offering you the bread from heaven. I pray that today you will begin a conversation with him. Bring some calories along. And you will begin to sense that deep connection and communion that God longs for you to have. And that Jesus died and was raised for you to have. I pray that you will let him focus you. So that you might have life. And life everlasting. I pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. One God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go out and have some conversation and some calories. And I pray it will create connection for you. Have a great week. We'll see you. Thank you for joining us online. We'll see you next week. And we are now out of rebellion. Jump forward. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.